0: Three times Jesus says, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. And I think it's really, really important when we're reading the Gospel of John especially that we pay attention to this 31st verse here. It's kind of like you have been told a number of these stories You've been given a lot of information, a lot of teaching. And here's why, he says in verse 31 of chapter 20. He says, because in verse 30 he says, I could have written a few volumes on Jesus. There's plenty of of material, he's saying. But I put together this gospel. And here's the reason why I gave you this gospel. He said, these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The point, what's the point? Jesus comes to his disciples as they're huddled in fear in the room where they're gathering trying to figure this all out, Worried that they might be next. Worried that they don't know how to go on with their lives after Jesus has been crucified. And now his body has been, well, by some reports, resurrected. By other reports, stolen. What do we believe? Confusion and fear. And into their confusion and fear, Jesus comes saying, Peace be with you. And again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. What is this all about? What is this all about? Jesus gives his disciples a power, a power by the Holy Spirit to forgive people as they've been forgiven. To forgive people as they've been forgiven. Here we have. An amazing thing, that the one who is crucified returns and says, look at what's happened, don't look away. Look at what's happened, don't look away, but know that the truth of crucifixion is not the only truth. The truth of crucifixion is not the only reality that you live in. In fact, the truth of crucifixion is only as true as the truth of resurrection and vindication. And that the truth that Jesus represents is the worst thing, one of the worst things that humanity can do is to kill their sister or brother. One of the worst things we can do and when we, when we do that on mass scales, like it recently happened in Sri Lanka, recently happened in synagogue, in California. One of the worst things humanity can do, we keep doing. That is killing our sister and our brother. Why do we do it? Because there is deep fear and hatred in our hearts. There, in a way that seems to be tenacious. We try to teach it out. We try to Uh, somehow make more laws, somehow organize more communities, and yet still people are killing people. The reality at the center of our faith is one who was even by the official legal means of the state, crucified. Jesus confronts us with one of the hardest realities of being human. We are a people that kill one another. We are a people who have the ability in our hearts to reject, exclude, even crucify. And it brings John and Peter out into the streets in Jerusalem saying, this is the one that was crucified. Here's the real story of what happened. You might have heard other stories, maybe some uh, whitewash stories, but here's what really happened. And the leaders in the community are saying, wait, wait, wait. Don't be telling that story all around. You're making us look bad. But Peter and John know that this is not, the point is not for them to be looked bad. The point is not to then uh, have a whole other inverse reaction where all the leaders who were, who were, uh, um, Complicit, thank you. Complicit in Jesus's murder. For them to then go to the to the to the cross—that's not what Peter and John are about. Peter and John are telling the truth of what happened because they know that a power greater than them, than the leaders, than any power that humans can drum up or imagine or be or cower against—that a power greater than all that is at work in Jesus and it's a power that overcomes all the forces of death and despair, and it's a power that is the love of the Holy Spirit, who even in the midst of Jesus' crucifixion, from the mouth of Jesus himself, can say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. The point of this is that you might believe, and that by believing you might have life, peace. The peace of knowing the truth, of looking the truth straight in the face, And like the people in the reading from Revelation this morning, I found this really, really powerful as I read it this time. He says, Jesus is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. Sometimes the truth about our our lives, about who we are as a human species, is a truth that we have to sit with and wail. At the center of the truth of who we are is a truth that it's okay to cry about, to wail about. Grief is something that we confront as a truth about who we are because with us is all the forces of destruction that can lead to something like Jesus' death. Something like the death of so many in Sri Lanka. At the heart of humanity is something to be looked upon and wailed about. That's true. And that's what we do as Christians is we are a people about The seeking of truth. Jesus says elsewhere in John's Gospel, it's the truth that will set you free. We are not a people who look away from the hard things. We are not a people who try to sugarcoat the hard things. We're a people who follow a Jesus who showed his wounds. A Jesus who in the midst of showing his wounds didn't say, now don't you feel terrible? A Jesus who showed his wounds and said, this is what this is about. It's not about uh, retribution. It's not about falling into the pit of despair, that this kind of thing happens again and again. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus is the wounded healer. Jesus is the one by whose wounds we are made a new consciousness. Whose wounds create a new community able to see that crucifixion, this pattern of death and destruction in humanity, is not the final word. But that God has a power greater than that. A power to heal. And a power to heal that is very particular. A power to heal that is called the Holy Spirit who indwells you and indwells me. That Holy Spirit that Paul describes as the love that God has poured into our hearts. That love which knows no limit and boundary. That love that knows no enemy. That love that can reconstitute me to love me, to accept me, to forgive me. And can reconstitute you to love you. And can remake our whole consciousness. This is what the word repent means to remake our whole way of being and feeling and and relating in the world into a way that Jesus characterized so vividly, the way of grace, the way of forgiveness. The way of the cross is not avoiding the truth. It's not uh, pushing things under the rug. It's speaking the truth, even when the truth is hard, even when the truth makes us feel really sad. That's why we have each other. Because the Holy Spirit in community makes us able to bear the pain. Makes us able to bear that despairing temptation. Makes us able to see the truth of who we are, the truth of who we are as an entire human community, and not be overcome. The darkness did not overcome the light. And so where do we go in the face of mass shootings? Where do we go in the face of the opioid crisis? Where do we go in the face of so much silent suffering in our homes and communities? Where do we go? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father whose love is what is coursing through my veins, as I see you, as I speak to you, that same love I now breathe into you, that you might be that love for a world that needs that healing. But it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Because we we so often are afraid to speak the truth of our pain or to be near the truth of someone else's pain. That can be a really hard thing to do. It's hard when you're you're noticing someone you know well or have lived in a a long time with who's being unkind or even abusive. It's hard to do the loving thing and stand up for yourself. It's hard to do the loving thing and stand up for another person. It's hard to speak the truth. But it's on the other side of the truth that's freedom. It's on the other side of the truth that's that's acceptance and forgiveness. Forgiveness, literally, the Greek word "afio me" means to let go. Forgiveness. It's like it's forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness and healing is moving forward in hope that God can heal and does heal, and that even in things and people that don't seem healable. But even in the midst of that, God is present. God is there as comfort. God is there as companion. And God is there as the one in in whom we live, move, and have our being, and the one to whom we return. Our lives are full, and the lives of the people in our neighborhoods, communities, and world are full of grief and pain and the perennial reminder that someone like Jesus can be crucified. But may that reminder of Jesus' crucifixion also be a reminder that it is the crucified one, the God on the cross, the God whose love knows no bounds, that is overcoming the grave, overcoming the forces of hatred, overcoming our instincts to retaliate Our instincts to dehumanize, overcoming our instincts to reject ourselves or other people, overcoming by the power of grace, by the power of love, saying, This is not, this did not have to be this way, and this will not always be this way. And in fact, by your spirit filled work, by the spirit filled work inside you, between you, and among you, Jesus is healing hearts, giving hope one person at a time. I I thought of this verse when I thought of Rochelle going into ordained ministry. It's Not an easy path to walk. And you see a lot of pain. You see a lot of heartache. You're by a lot of people as they're dying. But one of the joys of being a minister is being able to say to someone who feels all alone, to hold that person's hand and say, you're not alone. To hold that person's hand and say, I am with you, God is with you. And as Julian of Norwich said once powerfully in her mystical vision of the love of God, she said, all will be well, all will be well, and all manner of things shall be well. We live lives that experience pain and hardship. We have folks we love who are getting new diagnoses. Folks we love who are injured or, or incapacitated in some way or another. And so much of it feels at times helpless and overwhelming. But remember, it's by the mark where the nails have been, by the sign upon his precious skin, I will know my secret. When I come to him by the mark where the nails have been. God is the one who's loved us and whose love has overcome even that cross. God who can overcome, bring forgiveness and healing into the most difficult and painful of places. If we open our hearts to it, if we open our hands to one another, we can be ministers of that forgiveness and healing because we have the power. Did you know you're powerful? Did you know that you have a lot of power? Did you know that you, yourself, you, can go to someone, hold their hand, give them a hug, speak a word, and in that hug, that hand-holding, that word, that timely word, you can be in that moment, maybe not in any sort of permanent way, Unless you're always there with that person, they get a little annoying. But in that moment, you can be a softening, a melting, a reminder to that person that they are loved, cared for in an everlasting way. They belong. And this is the truth that sets us free. But it's a truth that requires us to remember that sometimes we're afraid to talk to each other. Sometimes we're afraid to reach out to each other. Sometimes we're afraid to look inside of ourselves. And we don't need to be afraid. Because Jesus has already been there and overcome it. And that love that Jesus, that is in Jesus is in us. And all will be well. As the Father sent me, so I send you. To share that love with one another. In whatever way you might find this week, may that peace that Jesus breathed into his disciples, the peace that Jesus brings to our hearts, go with you and minister through you, healing to those who God, who God longs to open up eyes, to warm hearts, to show that there is a way when there feels like there's no way. I remember as we were talking about the Enneagram I was doing some uh, reading beforehand and and listening to things and the the guide, the teacher that we were working with, Richard Rohr, said, it's been said many times that the truth will set you free but first it will make you miserable. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to admit things about ourselves. Ask anyone who's gone through the the fourth step, the fifth step in in the 12-step program. It's hard to speak Difficult truths about what we do and who we are. It's hard to look that in the face, but there's liberation when we let go of the things that we're holding so desperately onto. There's freedom on the other side of saying, This is true. I am afraid and I don't need to be. I'm living in grief and grief is not the only reality. There's pain in the world, but there's healing and the healing has overcome the pain, and we walk into that with a commission to be a part of that. I had a friend in seminary that told me, that her, her answer to the problem of why bad things happen to good people. I said, oh, give me the answer. Because people always ask me that. He said, you're the answer. Doesn't mean you are the one to cause all the bad things to happen to good people. You're not the answer, you're the response. Harold Kushner said he he doesn't like the why do bad things happen to good people. He says, I want to title my book When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Because the truth is that they are going to happen, they do happen, and it does us no good to try to avoid that or run away from it. Instead, we've been given power by God's love to be people that look it straight in the face and ourselves and other people accept it in a certain way and say, I want to walk with this into healing and connection and love. Because I think that I'm, it's unbearable by myself, but with you and with my um, and with the with with the, the crucified and risen Jesus, all things are possible. Amen.